with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning and welcome to After 9. I'm Eric Allen, your host for the next hour. For the first half hour of our program, we're going to have Sheldon Clare. He's got the uh, nomination for the Conservative Party for Cornell uh, North or Prince George North writing. So well, I'll get into that with Sheldon. Also get into BC politics a little bit in general, writings in general, how people arrive at uh, getting nominated, and uh, just what our the whole situation in British Columbia looks right now. To me, like most things, I kind of see it fragmented. But uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm just not seeing it the right way. So, anyway, Sheldon, I want to start off with uh, the nomination. Was a nomination or an appointment? It, there was a nomination. Uh, there was a process, and there were people who'd expressed interest in running over a period of a couple of months, as I had. Uh, there are a number of stringent requirements that the the party had developed for candidates, which includes a rather onerous package of of uh, tell us everything about your life from the year dot forward and your views on various uh, matters and issues. And at the end of the day, uh, other candidates dropped out. Some didn't get their paperwork in. And at the end of it, I was the one who had all of that finished and was deemed to be an acceptable candidate by the party, so I was the last one standing. Good. So you were good to go. And, of course, you got... uh, What do you figure we have before the next election? It could be next month or two. It could be another two years. Well, the wonderful thing about our parliamentary Westminster-style democracy is that Parliament can be summoned at any time. You can you can call an election at any time. That's one of the great advantages of it. And some people see it as a disadvantage. I, I think it's a good thing. The election must be held by the middle of October next year. And the expectations are out there and the signs are out there that we're probably looking at a provincial election this spring. Yeah, I kind of got a sense that that could happen. Uh, things aren't looking that good out there in a lot of different areas. But also, it was kind of bugging me. I was thinking about it the other day that uh, uh, Premier Eby's been there for quite some time now, and he hasn't actually been elected as Premier of the province. That's true. He and that's kind not. of somewhat irritating because he's making a lot of decisions that really should be made by the elected, by an elected Premier and, of course, elected government representatives. So this, I mean, I don't know, not being there, but it looks like it's kind of a one-man show. Well, that that might well be. There, there certainly is a lot of focus on EB, and I think that's probably about their desire to uh, have a mandate of some kind. However, I think they're getting a little concerned about just how well the Conservative Party of British Columbia is doing. We've uh, been growing rapidly. I mean, it's a very old party. It's been around since the uh, the turn of the previous century. And yet it hasn't been one that has formed government in British Columbia. It's usually had its uh, people who would vote conservative be part of other coalitions. And yet the, that the coalitions of the right and the coalitions of the left tend to go through growing pains at very t- various times and break up. And I think what we've seen over the last several years with the uh, former BC liberals is that their attempts to hold together a coalition have failed. <laughs> 
uh, they basically chased conservative-minded voters away from that particular party, and in, in a in a, 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 an attempt to try to get around that, they created something different. And brand identification, brand recognition of that has certainly failed. It certainly hasn't attracted uh, uh, what it purports to. It is, it's not about unity. It's, it's more about division. And so what has happened is you've seen John Rustad that managed to make use of this. John doesn't really need to be an MLA anymore. I think he's been there five or six terms, and he could uh, step away from that any time. But, you know, I've known John a long time. I've known him since I was a teenager. And one thing I know about John is he can be quite stubborn, and he can be quite uh, adamant about about principles. And when... uh, when he's got something that he wants to get done, he's going to get it done. And I think he feels that there's unfinished business from his time in there as an MLA, and he wants to uh, make a difference. And he is making a difference. Well, certainly, you know, from my point of view, again, I would like to certainly like to see somebody up there making a difference, you know. Yes. Because uh, I don't like anything <clears throat> that I've been seeing lately. That uh, brings to mind, though, now, the uh, Caribou North Prince George writing. I don't know if you use the term gerrymandered. Is that supposed to be? <laughs> that's supposed to be a bad term. Well, you know, that's an that's an interesting point, Eric. Uh, yeah, the, the, the new writing of uh, Prince George North Caribou, which concludes uh, most college uh, College Heights, uh, Vanway, and uh, basically the south side of Highway 16 out through to to Beaverly. And then down to Quinnell, you know, through Pixenstone or Quinnell to the northern part of Williams Lake is a new riding. And from time to time, the elections people, whether federally or provincially, in this case provincially, decide to redistribute ridings for various reasons. Now, this particular redistribution looks a little odd to me, uh, but, you know, I wasn't there in the meetings when they, they did all this, or I wasn't there to hear who said what to whom and and how things were were determined. But it does change the makeup of the voting population in that area. It changes Valemont's riding quite a bit. Uh, so the incumbent there may not see the same levels of support from uh, the voters that she has in the past. I, I understand there's a, a, a strong challenger seeking the, the nomination for that riding, the the, the, the Valemont riding, and uh, I think people will be quite impressed should that candidate achieve the nomination. Uh, I don't want to preempt anything by saying who it is, but I think people are going to be really impressed. And in the case of the riding I'm running in, the Prince George North Caribou, I, I think it's a riding I know well. I, when I was running as an independent, as you know, that's the area I was campaigning in. I, I, I know, know the communities well. It's an area that's been part of my upbringing, part of my life. And I, uh, I understand what the issues are in, in, in these areas. We've got some really serious concerns with, with a lot of things that are federal and provincial. I, th- I think people are getting really fed up with the high cost of housing and the interest rates and what's going to happen uh, to people as a result of the multi-layered carbon tax. And this is, it's, it's the destructive regressive tax. And we've really got, we've had it in BC for years and it really hasn't helped us. And no, I wouldn't think so. Uh, from time to time I talk to people that ask them if they, 
<coughs> carbon tax had any effect on on their driving and uh, it hasn't changed the anything. answer is no and not only that but they blame the gas companies for the high price of gas because they don't know how much tax is on there so I give them the friendly re- reminder that 17 cents a liter you're buying is is carbon tax yeah and uh, they're shocked and uh, yeah yeah and the, the guy at the uh, gas pump he makes a lot less than that he gets about 8.9 cents a liter used to be anyway Yes. A while ago, so <clears throat> the information that people need to know to make a a decision on how to vote or whatever is not out there. It's not out there on a regular basis. We, I think, we have to find a way to get more information out to people. So because you can get sixteen different newspapers in a day, and they all might have a different story, and so you miss the big one. I thought I heard one the other day about uh, the hell was it? announcement by the government or something but uh, anyway whatever it was I haven't got around to look for it yet but I didn't see it in the local paper where normally I would have picked it up right away. And part of the problem too Eric I think is is uh, information overload and the yeah. heavy reliance on low quality information that you know, we have with our, like our cell phones I got one sitting on the table here it goes off every now and then to tell me some wonderful nugget of something that I really wasn't interested in, didn't care about or didn't didn't have any interest in and all of a sudden that's it's, it's the squirrel effect. You're busy looking at this stuff and you're distracted from things that are important. The, the Romans used to hold a great games every time politics became a concern so they could distract the public. <laughs> and yeah. I, I mean, we see the same bait and switch things going on in BC politics all the time. And I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, people are, are, are going to see that there does need to be a significant change, that the existing parties that have been in there ruling things have not been acting in the interests of British Columbians, and that, that we need a, a new approach, some new ideas, and some radical change from uh, from the same old, same old, the voting the same way on all the issues which we've been seeing with the, uh, the former Liberals and the NDP. They, they vote together on most things. So what's opposition? What's government? What, you know, what's going on? Well, we know that, uh, I think when the uh, Liberals, I think there's only five of them left, and, the, and then they all formed up with the Reform and the Sokers and the Conservatives and mm-hmm. anybody else they could bring to the table in order to get enough seats to defeat the NDP. That was sort of the, the plan, because they're fragmented, and then the NDP is sort of getting into that part of politics now, federally and provincially, like they need somebody else's help to stay in there. And overall, I don't think this is necessarily a good thing. Uh, just to finish off the gerrymandering thing, the one that came to mind when I was talking was Gracie's Finger. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you, that one was quite famous yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. And it was flat out. That little bit was clear. Yeah. yeah. And, and one wonders about this particular change here, because now we have, we'll ha- we will have three MLAs representing a chunk of Prince George and the other areas around that, and it's it's interesting to me, and I'm not sure uh, why it was changed like that, but it's what's going to happen in the next election is those new boundaries will be in effect. So 
in my efforts in, uh, in campaigning, and I mean campaigning started as soon as I got the nomination, it's about a couple of things, lining up volunteers, lining up more members, and soliciting donations so that you can market the party and, and, uh, and, I, and the candidate in order to change government and to challenge the status quo. We really need to shake things up. And uh, voting the same way and expecting a different result isn't going to do it. No. No, I agree 100%. We need to, uh, like, <clears throat> the idea of having three, like, sometimes we'll have absolutely no representation. The next time we might have one NDP and one uh, conservative, or not conservative, but liberal. The next time we might have two conservatives, but no NDP. Yep. And we always seem to be odd man out or waiting for the next time around to get some progressive legislation. Never comes. No. Actually, I think that in a lot of sense, the North Central BC has been abandoned in a lot of ways. Well, I remember there was an old social credit politician called Cyril Shelford. And you might remember Cyril Shelford. And he wrote a book called From Snowshoes to Politics. And it's a pretty good book on how someone gets into politics, how they run, how they campaign, and what their perspectives are when they're in there. And one of the warnings he had in his book, and I remember it quite vividly, is it, and I'm, prob- I'm paraphrasing it, though, is that the, pol- the politicians in the government ignore the North at their peril. The resource extraction areas, the people who do that work, uh, they ignore it at their peril because there's a, there's a tendency in the lower mainland to be very self-absorbed about BC politics. And they think that everything that's good for Vancouver is, is good for everybody else. And it ain't necessarily so. And I've always tried to promote the central interior. I've always tried to make sure that this area gets its due, and it gets its due federally or provincially, and that the the concerns of people are brought forward in a meaningful way. And if I'm backed for by the people and, and I get elected, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that I represent the views of these, this area in Prince George, North Caribou. And that's a big challenge because it's a big area and there are going to be divergent positions. But I know that the I, I support farming. I support agriculture, hunting. I, I don't think it helps to have regressive taxes that drive people uh, away from being able to afford a home. And uh, I am not happy with the the crime that we're seeing, crimes against the person, crimes against property. And I think we need to stop just... Molly coddling these folks and letting them go. We've got to make some changes. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a break and we'll be back and carry on with this uh, topic. Hi, this is The Wolfman. Few entertainment genres have captured our imagination and been as successful as the good old-fashioned musical. From their vaudevillian roots to today's mega-productions, musicals have provided generations with a stream of memorable productions, show-stopping performances, and larger-than-life personalities. Join me for a unique adventure as we trip the light fantastic across more than a century of musical theater, from Broadway to the West End and all points in between. On with the show, Sunday afternoons at 4, only here on 93.1. CFIS FM. 
Are you thinking of selling your business? It's Dave Fuller here, a business coach and a business broker living right here in Prince George. The challenge of being a business owner is that much of our retirement funds are often tied up in the business. If you are getting ready to retire and sell your business, give me a call, 250-617-7467, and we can talk confidentially about how much your business might be worth and how you might be able to get that money out of the business and into your pocket. Again, Dave Fuller, 250-617-7467, or check out our website, pivotleader.com. At Pivot Leader, we help you grow, train, and sell your business. Kick off the holiday season and support your friends, families, and communities in the North with the Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation's 30th Annual Festival of Trees. Take in events such as the MediChair Seniors Brunch, Scotiabank Seniors Tea, and Canadian Tire Fashion Show, to name a few. And tour the trees from November 29th to December 3rd at the Prince George Civic Centre. For details or to purchase tickets, visit spiritofthenorth.ca or call the Foundation office at 250-565-2515. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today, a 30% chance of showers starting late this morning, a high of 5. Cloudy tonight, a few showers or flurries beginning before morning, a low of 0. For Tuesday, flurries or showers ending in the morning, then clearing. Wind becoming southwest 20, gusting to 40 in the morning, a high of 5. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we're back with uh, Sheldon Clare, the... Uh conservative nomination for the Quinnell North riding and I just <clears throat> I try to get into some background on local politics and nominations and writings and and in my opinion I kind of I kind of think we're I don't know I don't like what's going on here I, I see a a railway to nowhere I see multi-million dollars spent on railroads and they just got the all they're using them for now is skidoos you know, and uh, while well, going up hunting, see, Germiston Landing, those places. Oh. There's no track there. We used to have log trains coming into town, into a sort yard and that on those trains. Now they don't even run the trains. And uh, we got a broken down train service coming out of Tumbler Ridge. You know, thank God we got what's left there. Uh, that, uh, you know, Mackenzie and Tumbler Ridge and those places can still function. But none of these cities are functioning anywhere near the capacity that they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. They've all lost jobs. They've all been uh, reduced uh, population-wise. It, it has all kinds of effects on us. Like, uh, we get funding on a per capita basis on this uh, Canada uh, fund we get from the federal, business, the federal government. <laughs> Our population going down, that's not a good thing. Every time it drops, I get $50,000 per capita. Ouch. Every time somebody leaves town. I think at this time I was looking at it for uh, 23, 24 for the province. It's uh, 360 million outside of greater Vancouver. And then it's distributed on a per capita basis. So big money there. That's the money they used for the last fire hall, or that's the ones they used for different places. And, so, and that's why people need to do their census, because yeah. if you don't do that, they you don't get all of those monies being shifted to those other layers of government. Yeah, it's a, it's a very important. And, and like I remember uh, Colin Kinsler used to always want to use the BC stats population numbers for that money because it was always a 10 or a thousand or 1500 higher than the federal census. And he said, we should be using that deal. But, of course, they won't allow that. It's the federal census. And that's why everybody should get on there because 
every city in uh, it's a little different in Vancouver, but they all get paid some money on the basis of the number of people live in your city. Yep. And uh, or regional district. A regional district, yeah. Yep. So this next year or so before we go to election, I'm going to be kind of pushing people or asking them or begging them or whatever is to change. Uh, let's change things up and let's go vote for a change. Yes. Nothing to it. Just go down there, put the X in the... And we'll vote for some common sense. Exactly. Rather than the, the same old, same old uh, failed policies, enabling enabling bad behavior, just driving down the economy. I mean, this is a wealthy part of the world. This is a wealthy part of Canada. There is no excuse to have large numbers of people unemployed, people living in, in, in tar paper shacks uh, or tents or anything like that. This is a this is a place where that we should be, be prosperous, and the fact that we're being ideologically driven by fantastic notions of grandeur federally and provincially is really not helping anything. No, and uh, you know there are ways that we could change it, and I think we're probably some of it's going to come out in the future. But uh, um, I, I mean, I don't believe that we can't do any of these things. Yeah. You know, I'm a, in that area, I'm a total optimist. There's no point telling me it can't be done because I'm firmly convinced it can be done. It's just what we have to do is get off the couch, yes. put down a cup of coffee, turn off the TV, and do something. Well, and the, the, the fact of the matter is that a, a large number of people absolutely don't get informed about the issues and and vote. The, yeah. the the people who are elected in this province are elected with a, a minority of the of the voting population. And I think that's because people haven't had something to vote for. I'd like to be something to vote for. And I think that I uh, bring some skills that would be useful in government. And I think that there are other um, candidates who are running for the Conservative Party of BC also are bringing forward skills that are are useful. I was in a meeting on Saturday with uh, John Rustad and other uh, nominated candidates and we were having a pretty good, freewheeling discussion about where we see things. And I thought, wow, there's a lot of creativity here, a lot of interest in significant change, and not much interest in status quo. And I thought, I like this. This yeah. is this is this is showing me that there's some uh, dynamic personalities, people who aren't going to just be uh, yes men or yes women, who are going to get in there, roll up their sleeves, and get the work done to make BC uh, a place that's going to be successful. Yeah, we're going to, the other part of the pro, the uh, show here this morning, we might a little bit get into uh, the uh, per capita uh, production or the G on the GN or GDP. Mm-hmm. And Canada's down. It's been going down the last couple of years. Well, the, and there's something wrong there when we used to be way up in the, in the middle of well, the top ten. Well, you've abdicated a lot of our our manufacturing yeah. and textiles and everything overseas. We're yeah. and, and we're we're setting ourselves up for an economic disaster, especially in the, the type of climate we're living in in the world today. And I mean the political climate, because we farmed out our work overseas and we just cannot keep this as sustainable. And I, I look at the BC debt. We owe $102 billion. That's almost $19,000 owned by every man, woman, and, and child in British Columbia as, as part of this. It's, it's 
it's way too much. That yeah. has to be reversed. We can't yeah. keep having deficit spending that's going to uh, drive up the debt and force us to pay more on the debt that we have to take money away from other services. It's it's a uh, it's living too high on the hog and not being able to pay one's bills. If you ran your house this way, you'd be losing your house. And For sure. that's a that's a, a thing people are going to be facing because they have to make choices about housing with all these uh, interest rates and everything else, which is largely because of the carbon tax. Yeah. So we've got that. The other thing, uh, uh, I think, that, you know, when this campaign gets going, uh, I would like to see more people from Prince George visiting the outlying areas mm-hmm. in, in uh, north central BC and vice versa. People, for, You know, people from there, like at the studio fair, talk to a lot of people that were at the studio fair. That was really, really booming this weekend. Like they... The Friday, I think they had a thousand people over their forty-seven year record. Fantastic! Friday afternoon at one o'clock it started. Saturday, I think, was a record day, and I wouldn't be surprised if Sunday was a record day. And but all those people—they're from all over the place. I actually said to one woman, "Well, you people from the island—that's where you do things." <laughs> and she looked at me. She was like from Smithers. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her. And I said, well, you look like somebody from the island. You're all dressed up and chick and, you know, just, I'd have sworn you were from Victoria. Or you need somewhere. to get to Smithers more, Eric, and see what's going on. Yeah, it's been on. a long time since I've been yeah. there golfing about years ago. But uh, anyway, we're going to wind her down. I want to thank uh, Sheldon for coming in and talking. Didn't get as much done because I like to talk too as I would have liked to but we're going to do it again we got a lot of ways to go I'll have some of the other people in if I can and uh, we'll uh, get this show on the road thanks, very good Sheldon. thanks Eric all the best so volunteer drivers are needed for the Prince George Council of Seniors Meals on Wheels program the meals are delivered Monday through Friday between 1045 and noon if you have a vehicle and are interested in giving back to the community you can help out this important program once a week or more. For more information or to volunteer, contact Wendy by calling the Council of Seniors Office at 250-564-5888 or by emailing hnc at pgcos.ca. There are so many ways to enjoy the great taste of Boston pizza, it's hard to keep track. You can dine in at either Prince George location, Central Street West or Vance Road. You can order your delicious meal with pickup at either location or arrange it to be delivered hot and fresh. Not sure what to order? Check the menu out online at bostonpizza.com. Boston Pizza, two locations in Prince George on Central Street West and Vance Road. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats, founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982. Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Seniors Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available on most items, including pierogies and sausages, and are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and meat pies. Everything from Erladen to Patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Center. Kick off the holiday season and support your friends, families, and communities in the North with the Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation's 30th Annual Festival of Trees. Take in events such as the MediChair Seniors Brunch, Scotiabank Seniors Tea, and Canadian Tire Fashion Show, to name a few, and tour the trees from November 29th to December 3rd at the Prince George Civic Center. For details or to purchase tickets, 
visit spiritofthenorth.ca or call the Foundation office at 250-565-2515. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we're back. We've got our regular panel, which is uh, John Zukowski, James Steidel, uh, Peter Ewart, <laughs> and Herb, Mart- Herb Martin. <laughs> so, uh, we've got a half hour left. We're going to go through. Uh, Peter's going to take off for the lead with the gig economy and the government trying to find... Uh, uh, better working conditions for people who work in the gig co- economy. I don't really know what they mean by gig. Uh, I know what they're talking about, but what it actually stands for, I don't know. Do you, Peter? Uh, yeah, a gig worker definition is, uh, it's hard to describe exactly, right? You know, like in terms of, you know, whether it applies to temporary workers as a whole, part-time workers. Maybe more exact would be to describe it as freelance contract workers yeah, or precarious but, but I was workers. thinking in terms of gig G-I-G. Well, gig, where the, where the term comes from is uh, Jack Kerouac, you know, the beat uh, writer back in the 1950s. Uh, apparently he used it for the first time to describe a, a short period of time that he was working on, on a railway or something like oh, that, okay. and, and he called it a gig, right? And, and musician. Oh, okay, so it's a gig like a... A band or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a, a gig, you know, like musicians say that all the time. I got a gig at oh, the, yeah. this such and such a night. Yeah, I was looking for a, a computer definition of it, and I couldn't come up with anything. But a gig, if you're playing a, in a band or something, yeah. I, yeah, I exactly. Just a, a, a temporary one-shot sort of thing, right? Okay. You know, so... So, so you can take off on... Okay, and, you know, these gig workers are all around us. They deliver food and groceries. You know, if you order some uh, from some food from a takeout place, right, oftentimes it's the gig workers who are going to provide it to you. They provide vehicles to transport us around, you know, uh, and, and so on. And it's a, it's a growing area of the economy. They use uh, what's called app or application-based technology. You know, people order stuff using their cell phones, iPads, to order rides, foods, etc. And these ride, for example, these ride-hailing companies are global in size, right? You you have Uber, you know, which is a ride-hailing uh, uh, company, and Lyft, and so on. And then you have food delivery, you know, uh, by the company called Skip the Dishes, and and so on. So ten th- there's tens of thousands of gig workers in BC, and probably millions around the world. And it's one of the, the the growth of this whole gig worker economy is one of the features of the huge technological changes in the world, and and the globalization of the economy. Now, there's lots of horror stories of of, of these workers being exploited, you know, with long hours, no benefits, unjust terminations, safety issues, and so on. These globalized Platform companies in the past, of like Uber and so on, so on, claim that these gig workers are not really workers, but rather independent contractors, and thus should not be covered by existing worker legislation, such as minimum wage, workman's compensation, benefits, right to unionize, and so on. These uh, companies claim that they, as giant corporations, simply connect buyers and sellers of services through a digital app or digital application. But the relationship between them uh, is not employer-employee, but rather these employees are acting as independent contractors. And that the majority of these so-called independent contractors 
support their status as contractors as it gives them more flexibility, independence, autonomy, etc. Others profoundly disagree, including the BC Federation of Labour, the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, which is currently doing a province-wide research project on gig workers and the precarious economy, and gig workers themselves. The the CCPA, the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, writes, By arguing that they're merely digital marketplace rather than employers, platform companies can offload many of the normal risks and costs of doing business onto workers, consumers, and public safety net programs. This serves global platform corporations well, and they lobby intensely against any attempt to apply, to apply employment, auction, employment law to app-based work. These online comp- platforms derive much of their profit and gain a competitive advantage over traditional service providers by exploiting gaps in the existing employment standards. And further it goes on to the, the CCPA uh, document goes on to say, When global corporations like Uber, Lyft, and Skip the Dishes are allowed to avoid paying employer employer health tax, WorkSafe BC, CPP, and EI premiums, minimum wage, sick pay, etc., they are not contributing their fair share to support the services workers will require when they get sick or injured and when they age and are no longer able to work. In any case, the BC government is looking at bringing in legislation to cover gig, gig workers, which is long overdue. And then, and there's a battle that's brewing on this front that's been going on for a while. For these part, these giant corporations are willing to maybe raise the pay for these workers and add a benefit or two, but they still insist that they are still independent contractors and should not be covered by employment standards legislation. On the other hand, the BC Federation of Labour wants them to be considered employees who work for an employer. It is also against creating any new category of worker fearing that this could dilute existing labor laws and uh, th- that are labor laws that are insured by existing employment law. The United Food and Commercial Workers and Uber appear to be lobbying for this new category of some kind, upping wages, etc., but the business model staying essentially the same. So anyway, proposals for legislation are coming soon from the provincial government, and so we'll, we'll see what comes up, but um, it's going to be a, a, a pretty hot issue, I think, uh, for... Uh, uh, you know the gig workers themselves, but also uh, you know the uh, employers and unions involved in this whole thing. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be really something to see. Are we going for a break here? We're going for a break. <clears throat> With the 2026 Winter Olympics just two years away, Prince George speed skater Carolina Hiller has created a personal website to share her story and commitment to becoming another Prince George Olympian. A two-time Canadian champion and world champion, you can visit her website to follow her journey and learn more about Carolina and her aspirations. There's also a direct contact link for sponsorship opportunities. Check it out today at carolinahiller.com. Well-known composer Christine Donkin has been commissioned to write a piece for the Prince George Conservatory of Music's 40th anniversary. The conservatory faculty will perform the new composition at their May 26th chamber concert. As part of this project, there will also be a collaboration with the Prince George and District Music Festival, and Donkin will give a series of free composing workshops. Music students interested in these workshops should contact the Conservatory of Music. Registration for the Music Festival is available at pgmusicfestival.com. The holidays can be stressful for anyone. 
but especially for people on the dementia journey. Caregivers and people living with dementia can explore strategies for adapting your plans and learn tips on minimizing stress with meaningful activities during an online workshop Thursday, November 30th from the Alzheimer's Society of BC. To register or for more information, visit alzbc.org slash online workshops. Preparing for the holidays, a free online workshop Thursday, November 30th from 1 to 2.30 through alzbc.org. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today, a 30% chance of showers starting late this morning, a high of 5. Cloudy tonight, a few showers or flurries beginning before morning, a low of 0. For Tuesday, flurries or showers ending in the morning, then clearing. Wind becoming southwest 20, gusting to 40 in the morning, a high of 5. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we're back, still on the gig, and uh, James is going to give us... Little shot. What's going on there? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's good that Harry Baines there, the uh, NEP Minister of Labor Relations, is uh, bringing us stuff in. And I know he's been working on us for for a long time, and it's it's needed. I, I think these big tech companies, I think, are are really kind of screwing us around here with uh, the the business model that they've introduced. Uh, apparently, I was just told that there's there's a competition for Uber. It's called U Ride. But I'd never heard of that before. It seems to me that these companies kind of have us over the barrel. They've, they've got monopolies, uh, and they, they kind of dominate the, uh, you know, they, they claim that they just hook up uh, buyers and sellers. But, uh, you know, like, why are we letting a private company basically control that whole market? Like, that, that sounds to me like it's a natural monopoly, and I think we get into the old question. Uh, you got to have government regulation. When you've got a situation like that, you either have government ownership or you've got government regulation, and it's about time we did have some better regulation of what they're doing because, you know, we don't we don't have competition. Skip the dishes. Who who else is doing skip the dishes? Anybody who who pays any attention to that? This very small on the scale of the economy. Well, you've just Canada, got these you've got these huge corporations that basically is the only choice if no, you want to no, do this no. kind of work. That's know, all you I, can do. Don't know where you get that information, but I'll tell you what we do have. We have uh, courier companies and cartage companies in BC, and we have all the rules and regulations, and we have everything that's needed. And I know because I had a trucking company, and I'll tell you, you didn't, you went by the rules, and they kicked you off the road. And that's not happening now. So you can't say we don't have the rules. We have people who are not abiding by the rules, and the government's not forcing them to. And Harry Baines right now is between a rock and a hard place, because if he pushes too far one way. He's going to have the unions on him, and if he pushes too far the other way, he's going to have the Uber people and the drivers on him. So he's in a box. That's why he's not saying anything. Well, I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see some kind of Canadian publicly owned options for these kind of gig these gig economy companies that are running mon- uh, running monopolies over over these kind of situations. And it's not just just I mean it it it's it goes all the way up to the very top. It goes to Google. Uh, it goes to Amazon. All these big tech companies are a huge problem in society, and thing, and we got to do something about it. The next it. thing coming is you're probably already doing, certainly doing it back east. People on their way home stop off at the grocery store and they buy their meal and they take it home, and that's the end of the story. And all these guys are going to be out of work because the big corporations. I mean, you could do it right now. Go to the new sale. 
You can get your lunch there, sit at a counter and eat it. Or you can put it in a package, take it home. You don't do any dishes. You throw everything in the garbage because it's all paper. <laughs> and you've got a big, huge selection. Plastic, yeah. So I can't see these guys surviving under that kind of deal. What do you think, John? Well, it's it's interesting. Uh, ultimately, the way they're painting themselves is they're the Kijiji or eBay of uh, service provision. Uh, that, that's exactly what eBay and and uh, uh, Kijiji is about: uh, linking sellers with buyers, you know, uh, and a service provider in the middle, uh, an independent contractor. Um, it's it's interesting when you look at it the the fact that there is no payroll deductions for CCP for you know WCB or anything like that. Maybe the province needs to come in and come up with independent legislation that says if you want to work as an independent contractor for anybody, uh, you ride or Uber or skip the dishes or whatever. You have to register yourself as an independent contractor, and then you'll have to pay those things that would normally be taken off a normal 9-to-5 employee's check for CCP and and taxes and all that. I, I think there needs to be some way to hold these independent contractors accountable. Uh, I'm a licensed alarm technician. I, I'm not working for an alarm company, but I still hold my, my license, and I pay the dues on it every year. Uh, but I can't go out and do stuff unless I turn around and go whole hog and register myself as a security company, which means even more expenses. So, But what I can do is I can get a hold of an alarm company that needs a tech, and I can go in and do hot swaps. I could do quick work for them because I've got the license. The thing is, I'm trackable. I have a license, and they have to report that I'm working for them. So maybe the same thing needs to be applied to these uh, gig workers so that everybody's paying into the system evenly, so it's, it's not slanted one way or the other. That's a thought. Well, it has been applied for years and years and years. I just explained to you, that's the requirement. You need to have a vehicle that's inspected by a certified garage to say that it's safe. You have to have WCB. You have to have all the rest of that stuff. And they don't have it. And how can they drive around the province and not have that stuff? It's because it's not being enforced. WCB is optional for self-employed people. You pay it yourself, but it's not necessarily optional. Yeah, it is. I guess I was too far away from the bank. So if you have out. employees, it's not optional. But if you're if you're self-employed, it's it's optional. Well, it could be, but uh, I mean, we're assuming that these guys these guys are working for three or four different uh, gig operations at the same time. So who's the employer? That's the question that comes up. Could be any one of us, or all four of you guys. I'm working for all of you. Who's going to pay WCB? Herb. Yeah, just to sort of just to go uh, sort of highlights. Uh, a basic problem with corporations and especially high tech corporations in uh, today's society they 're getting away with with murder amazon didn 't pay uh, taxes for years, and uh, just recently there 's uh, an article saying that uh, they um, they paid a, an effective tax rate of only six percent uh, from two thousand and nineteen to twenty two avoiding uh, five billion dollars worth of taxes just in the states uh, apple a similar story. Uh, from 2009-2012, made $174 billion worldwide, which excludes the Americas, and paid zero in taxes. Uh, 
starting in two, two, 2012, they started avoiding paying taxes by shifting operations to, to Ireland, another uh, low corporate tax uh, destination. Uh, Apple's also been accused, along with other tech giants, of uh, uh, basically uh, uh, working with other uh, uh, companies and um, uh, in, a, in an attempt to uh, avoid employees switching from company to company. They were found guilty of that and paid a fine. So, you know, these, these corporations are getting away with murder, and uh, we're not doing too much about it. Well, normally we don't. It's... Uh you know what's going to happen here now? Like the uh, <clears throat> these Uber drivers, they want a, they want 120 percent of minimum wage. So I worked that out. That means they want to get a three dollar and fifty cent an hour wage increase. Now now you're up to seventeen dollars, eighteen dollars, and something, and you're going to have a hamburger delivered. I kind of doubt it. You just priced yourself out of the market. So because it would be too delivered, you may as well just go pick it up yourself for Christ's sake, and you still have. Two gallons of gas left over. So I mean, it's, there's no money to play with there. They're starting at sixteen dollars ninety six cents an hour. So, well, Uber Uber is a company. It's never turned a profit. It's it's uh, got a market capitalization of something like sixty billion dollars, and it's never made any money. <laughs> and they and they keep telling people they're going to make money eventually when uh, when vehicles become automatic. Right, so because they're going to have the software. Yeah, like Tesla, then. You're talking about Tesla or Uber? Uh, sorry, this is uh, Uber. Oh. So uh, this is another, another corporation, another high-tech corporation yeah, that's uh, you know, basically uh, getting getting away with all sorts of abuse of, uh, of their drivers. And uh, and it's all flim-flam. Okay, we got to go for a break now. Donations to the War Amps have a lasting impact on amputees. Today, your support gives them the artificial limbs and resources they need for everyday activities and learning to live with amputation. Having access to our essential programs helps amputees prepare for tomorrow on their road to independence. The War Amps is committed to improving the quality of life for Canadian amputees. But this wouldn't be possible without you. To learn how your donation helps, visit waramps.ca. Does Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery offer baking for diabetics? Yes. Cheesecake, carrot cake, blueberry pie, brownies, and more. The cheesecake and carrot cake each have four net carbs per slice. Blueberry pie has five, and the brownie has just three net carbs. Do these specialty baked goods taste good? People love them. What else would you like to say to our diabetic listeners? Come to Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery next to Pharmasave on 7th at Quebec. Are you a leader who wants to take their leadership to the next level? Do you have an emerging leader on your team who needs support? At Pivot Leader, our Leaders in Business program combines leadership training with one-on-one coaching to help leaders just like you. You'll learn how to deal with people better, handle conflict, hire and keep staff, delegate more effectively, read financial statements, and learn coaching skills to move your team along. There's a less stressful way to improve your outcomes. We can show you how. If you'd like to be a better leader, reach out to us today at pivotleader.com. Pivot Leader will help Help you grow, train, and sell your business. North Edge Ice Sports has moved. You can now find all your recreational and competitive figure skating skates and accessories at Quebec and Third. While there, purchase roller skates or inline skates so you can skate all year round. Stop by and check out the assortment of outfits and accessories as you get ready for the coming season. Open from 10 to 5, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 9 to 2, Saturday. North Edge Ice Sports. 
in the Q3 building, Kitty Corner, to the Farmer's Market at Quebec and 3rd. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we're back, and uh, Peter's going to give us a comment on the gig. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting to compare back to the 19th century industrial revolution that took place, you know, where you had massive technological change like, like has happened recently uh, here in, uh, in Canada and other countries. And in this industrial revolution, you know, at that time, you know, with the development of all these factory equipment and machinery and so on, it was talked about how this was going to be a great boon to humankind. It was going to ease work on everyone and so on. But actually, the opposite happened. You had the employers super exploiting workers, uh, you know, uh, through piecework, uh, through uh, long hours, uh, uh, and it treated them as treated workers like as independent contractors or whatever, right? And um, you know what happened was uh, eventually the uh, workers had to organize. You know, to to fight this onslaught, to even get the, you know, like uh, the eight-hour day and and the end of child labor and so on, right? But um, today we have this uh, another technological revolution that has taken place, and uh, it's turning out to be a bit of a nightmare for many workers as well, right? Because uh, now you get uh, this the technology; they can track every movement of of workers. Uh, They can. you know, do all kinds of things with this uh, technology to intensify the uh, exploitation and int- intensify the profit and, and so on. So uh, I think this whole issue of, uh, you know, what uh, these workers are, are, are going to do and uh, how they're going to uh, function in the society is a whole question like uh, it's a, there's, a, there's a struggle ahead on this, right? Because we all face this in different ways. Like, uh, you know, this technological change, which uh, supposedly could be very beneficial, but oftentimes is just used to be maximum exploitation of people. Well, you know, firstly, I don't think anybody's looked into, really drilled down to see what's going on out there. We've got many, many, many people unemployed. The term they use now, people who don't want to work in B.C., there's all kinds of jobs besides driving around delivering somebody's supper to them. So I don't see that uh, they're being exploited. I see it, that they're, they're volunteering to do it because they can pick up some extra cash. And uh, that seems to be what's going on there, you know. It's, I mean, if you think about it for a minute, you could just reverse what Peter said and say, you know, our society is in such a good condition now and people are getting paid so much money, especially the union people that now they can sit at home and have somebody deliver their food to them. And they don't have to cook, and they don't have to wash dishes, they don't do anything. The doorbell rings, and there's their supper, and they pay $25 for it. You can't be in a society that's certain if you can afford to do that. So who's exploiting them? The union guy that ordered the Chinese food? Is he the guy? Or how does the corporation get in that? You know, if we're involved, we're all involved. Well, look, there's there's minimum standards uh, that are set in our society. We don't allow child labor. We don't allow, allow people to be paid five bucks an hour. It's, we've got minimum standards that has to be observed by all companies. 
how, how is it that we, we've just left, you know, and, and how is it corporations aren't paying taxes? I mean, that's just unbelievable. How you can know? this guy drive his vehicle, break that many rules and regulations, and nobody talks to him about it? They blame the corporation. Corporation's not driving a vehicle. They're hiring him, and they're not following. Matter. He's breaking the law. Yeah, so they, they're basically that's that's an, an old dodge. Basically, he's got they got an employee which they don't call an employee; they call him an independent contractor. And then, okay, what did you call him, Herb? Before you had Uber and these things, and you phoned the Chinese place, and they had a, and you wanted Chinese, you wanted delivered, and said that'd be another five dollars, and somebody drove up to your house and delivered the Chinese, you gave him the five bucks plus a tip. So who was the corporation that was financing that? Well, if they if it the guy exist. if the guy wasn't making minimum wage, some, he could have gone to the labor standards board and and uh, got restitution. But it, now it just sort of seems like all all of society is looking the other way, and uh, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, no wonder no wonder we're having a hard time balancing budgets. If if corporations look back in the nineteen fifties, corporations and private citizens paid fifty each paid fifty percent of the taxes. And now uh, individuals pay three times what corporations pay, right? So we've been given corporations a free ride, and it's you know time to time to knuckle down and uh, and, and create some sort of level playing field. Well, the thing to do is get a to get a herd of sheep and a subsidy and go live in the bush. And if you don't make any money, the government will send you a check anyway. Well, what happened, Eric? Was, was Sheldon bending your ear with these neocon ideas this morning? Or? I've been down the road. I've owned the courier companies. I've worked for different companies. I know how the system works. You guys should get out of the government, working for the government, and try it out in the real world. Well, I think I think the real world, you've got people struggling to pay rent. I just uh, read this morning the, the rent for one bedroom in Vancouver is now 2600 bucks. It's gone up 10% yeah. in one year. You know, I don't, I don't know if things are so easy. I think, you know, people go turn to skip the dishes because they're, they're, they're struggling so hard to, with all the, their other work and jobs to, to get ahead. They gotta, you know, people, per, personally, people I, personally I kind of agree with you, Eric. I think people, more people should be cooking their own food at home. Yeah. I think you get way better quality food. Uh, I read that 100% of fast food tested has glyphosate in it. So there's another reason, guys. Stop the spray. <laughs> Stop the oh, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the reason the the re, another reason to cook food at home and eat healthy and uh, yeah, skip out on. Um, well, that'll explain my crappy broccoli the other <laughs> night. There you go. Anything else you want to say, John? We're coming down to the last few minutes here. No, I'm I'm good, guys. I'm good. good. Peter. Uh, no, no, just that uh, you know this is a big issue, right? You know and. Uh, uh, there's going to be much more coming on it, right? And I think it's uh, going to be one of the, you know, big struggles in the years ahead, is how to deal with all this technological change and the exploitation of, uh, of the workforce and uh, the whole, you know, struggle for, uh, you know, to, to to have labor standards and so on. So this is going to go on. Well, we've got the labor standards. It's the present government that's in power. It's not enforcing it. Yeah, and it's there. You just so, don't so get how do you enforce these well, though? Like, you're, what do you, we got? Check, the guy, I've had the guys from checkpoints on the before. highway, and and any, no, no. anybody's got like a you've skip got the dishes sign. The, we pull them over, and you've got people at the scales. You've got those CVS drivers. I've had those guys come right into my office and say, "You've got 24 hours to get the proper insurance on that vehicle, or we're shutting you down." Don't ever kid yourself. They were right on top of it all the time. Now nobody's watching. 
That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah, a, yeah like uh, there's a huge gap here. Like yeah. this has been allowed to develop, and uh, it is, the government has ignored it, right? Whichever government it is, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, as a result, there's there's some growing problems here. Well, it's not good. It's not a growing. Uh, if that's the best jobs we got to grow the economy, we should uh, give up right now because. We need better jobs than that, bigger, better, and more. If you want to grow the economy in Prince George, maybe stop with, start with two more sawmills. Okay, that was the end of the show for today. There's no show next Monday because of the September 11th holiday, or November the 11th <laughs> holiday. I wanted to get one in September. I did get one in September. So anyway, too many holidays. We could save money that way, cut it back to six a year. <laughs> and uh, thanks for everybody listening. We'll see you. After Nine is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After Nine is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis Holt, Darren Guess, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Kretz. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. Listen for a rebroadcast of today's program tonight at 10. And for past shows, check out the archives link at CFISFM.com. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email CFISFM at Yahoo.ca. You're listening to 93.1 CFISFM, proudly supported by local businesses like New Look Interiors, now located at number 12E, 1839 First Avenue.